at a crossroads of uncertainty and opportunity, how do you navigate forward? This podcast focuses on making smart choices in a rapidly changing world. We investigate the challenges of being at a crossroads and finding the opportunities that arise out of disruption. Listen in on future forward conversations with the brightest luminaries, movers, and shakers. Let's navigate forward together and create what's next. Hello, everyone. My name is Lisa Thee, and I'm the host of the Navigating Forward podcast. We love to bring luminaries, movers, and shakers into all the places that you like to listen in order to learn from. And today we have the honor of interviewing Harrison Tang, who is the CEO of Spokio. And I think the first guest I've ever had that has only had a single job throughout his whole career. So we look forward to talking about what he is so passionate about that he's devoted all of his energy to it. And welcome to the podcast, Harrison. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Lisa, for inviting me. I was so inspired by some of the work you were doing around digital identity that when we were both speaking at the DataCon LA conference in 2022, I asked you to come and join us and educate us a lot about this topic because I think a lot of people are still trying to catch up into what that really entails. So for some of us that maybe aren't as familiar, do you mind explaining what Spokio does to somebody that like maybe their grandmother might understand? Yes, uh, Spokio is a people search engine and an identity platform that organizes about 16 billion records into about 600 million entities or profiles so that users can search, connect, and know who they're dealing with. And with that, can you talk about, you know, what is a digital identity and how you define it? Yeah, so identity is essentially the question of uh, who we are, answering the question of who, right? Uh, one of the six W's in English. And uh, the exact definitions are accessible characteristics and attributes about a distinct entity. So there's uh, three components to this definition. Uh, the first definition is data attributes. Uh, the second definition is the idea of an entity, a distinct entity, right? In philosophy, uh, you can call it metaphysics or the idea of existence. And the third attribute is actually access control. So questions around uh, data privacy is uh, ultimately an access control concept. You know, zeros and ones that, no, that sits on some databases that no one can access to. Obviously, it's not very useful. So, so you had to combine all these three aspects, and then that's the definition of identity, which is, again, uh, accessible characteristics and attributes about distinct entity. Awesome. And where do you think the future is going in terms of defining that digital identity? Yes, I think the future of identity will be self-sovereign. Uh, it's about empowering uh, users to take control of their digital identities. Today, the digital identity is essentially a bunch of data attributes lying around. So how do you actually link them together and then so that they can form distinct existence, right? And then ultimately, empowering users, right, the physical self, uh, linking and binding to the digital self, and then empowering, empowering them to uh, take control of their identity by intermediating identity-related transactions. You know, that is the key concept around the idea of self-sovereign identity. And I think that's the, the future where identity is going to move towards. So it touches on issues of privacy. It touches on issues of cybersecurity. It touches on governance. There's a lot of uh, nuance to 
how our identities are formed today online. Uh, and I think there's a saying that says, if you're not paying for the product, you might be the product in terms of some uh, data references. So can you talk about like ways you think things will be improved by having some self-sovereignty and owning your data and your digital identity and being able to have more control over that? Yeah, definitely. So I think today, identity is essentially the mean to the end, the how to the what. For example, uh, if you're actually uh, trying to buy a product, the, the e-commerce companies that where you, you're trying to buy the product from will want to make sure that you are who you say you are. So that use case is called uh, e-commerce fraud mitigation and identity verification. If you want to open a bank account, you know, you need to do identity verifications. Actually, by law, the bank has to have anti-money laundering and financial crime compliance, right? Uh, those kind of uh, KYC, know your customer uh, procedures uh, to ensure that you pass all these things before they can create a bank account. And that essentially are all part of the identity problem as well. And I think the difference between how it's done today and the future is that you don't know that these are happening. You're not actually in the middle of these what I call identity-related transactions. And through technologies such as uh, cryptographic proof or asymmetric uh, encryptions, uh, you can actually create what's called a transitive trust in which you actually sit in between the verifier and the issuers. Issuers are data sources. So think of it, think of it as a physical analogy of a wallet. The driver license that you have is issued by the DMV. And when, hopefully not, but when you're pulled over by a cop, <laughs> the cop actually get the driver license from your wallet. So you present the driver license to the cop. You intermediate the identity transactions. The, the cop doesn't call uh, DMV directly uh, right away and those kind of things. So that's the difference between you not being the loop versus you intermediating the identity transactions. And that's the sole, the primary way that uh, self-sovereign identity technologies can help empower users to take control of their identity by empowering users to intermediate and control access to their information. It's such an interesting challenge in the spaces that I, I lead our consulting practice around digital safety. Uh, so much has been invested in thinking through what are cost-effective ways to verify identity online, to make sure we are verifying that the age gates are enforced on certain platforms, to make sure that people are able to keep the information that's important and privacy protected to keep that private but also have some kind of ground truth of who someone is that you're interacting with. I thought it was really interesting that you brought up the banking because a lot of the anti-money laundering work that I've been part of has been in human trafficking prevention or trafficking of broader topics as well. Where do you see some of the places that have the most demand and pull right now today for being able to verify those digital identities? How are these things being done today that maybe are a little bit more invisible to us uh, that are being queried about? Yeah, you know, the truth is uh, digital identity uh, is being used more and more, right? And uh, because as our activities move more and more online, the need for these uh, identity verification, identity search technologies just becomes increasingly needed. And earlier I was talking about the use case of e-commerce, right, fraud prevention, uh, making sure that the customers that you're shipping the goods to are not fraudsters, you know, you know especially for goods that cost a lot. 
the impacts of uh, fraud is a lot bigger. <clears throat> so, so I think e-commerce fraud is a huge market, and I think that's growing more than 10% year over year. So that, that is a major segment that even Spokio is uh, focusing on. Um, other markets like banking, uh, know your customers, actually that market is growing a little bit slower, uh, at least the last time I was studying about a couple months ago. But more and more, I think the identity use cases are going to be more and more prevalent because of the major trends around the need for authentic connections. Like, for example, the most recent controversy around Twitter Blue <laughs> identity verifications. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or the most recently, like uh, Ticketmaster has uh, this issue in regards to having huge frosters, right? Trying to uh, buy and scalp tickets for uh, Taylor Swift. Swift, yeah. yes. <laughs> we were we were in that queue waiting. So yes, uh, personally aware of that one. Yeah. So I mean, the example goes on and on. And uh, most recently, uh, FTX fiasco. I think that's a huge. Uh, failure in uh, financial crime compliance and enhanced due diligence, right? So there's a lot, a lot of examples, but uh, as people seek more online interactions and authentic online interactions, I, I think uh, the need for this kind of technology will just going to be increasingly more important. Yeah, it sounds like the evolution in maybe automobiles, right? When they first came out, they didn't require airbags and seatbelts, but you get enough traffic on the road that you start to have to have some things in place to protect folks as you have more issues arising. It sounds like we have more happening in our environment today than we have historically around fraud at scale that digital identity can really help with. So can you talk a little bit about what technologies are required in order for this future to become a reality and having that greater personal control of your identity? Yeah, there's um, multiple new technologies, but I think the most exciting one and most important one is what's called verifiable credentials. Let me go into that a little bit further. Credentials is a set of claims, and claims is about data about someone made by someone else. You know, Essentially, you can think of it credentials as uh, someone's profile. And verifiable comes from the fact that it, it's like a digital signature. You can easily verify that this particular credential comes from this particular issuer, or this set of credentials is presented by this particular data subject or the holder. Okay, That particular uh, technology uh, is the most important one because if you look at identity access control uh, roles, access models, there's roughly three roles, right? There's the verifiers and searchers, people looking for and verifying the information. There's the data subject, the person being searched on. And the last one, there's the issuer. And the funny thing is, most of the time, the data about a data subject is actually not created by the data subject. For example, your driver license is not created by you. It's actually created and issued by DMV. Your Uber driver rating, if you're an Uber driver, is actually not created by you. It's created by Uber or actually other riders. So there's actually these three main roles. And the key technology that enables the data subject to sit in the middle of this identity triangle or identity transactions is the cryptographic proof digital signature that allows transit trust so that when the verifiers is trying to make sure you are who you say you are, they don't have to call an API toward the issuer, but rather they just go straight to the holder, the data subject. They see the credentials and they can trust that this credential is signed by the issuer, enabling uh, you or the data subject to intermediate identity transactions, thus 
moving and advancing self sovereign identity. So I think that's the most important thing. There's other technologies like decentralized identifiers, uh, secure data storage, and all that stuff. But in my opinion, verifiable credential is the most important technology that will push and realize the dream of self sovereign identity. So for somebody that has worked at a single company and has seen it grow to hundreds of people now. Can you share with us what your what things were like even five years ago at Spokio versus today and what you've kind of learned from that growth? You know, when I first started, I thought, actually, I <laughs> convinced my uh, uh, roommates uh, to join me because at that time, no one wants to join me, right? I'm just a fresh grad out of college, like <laughs> with no track records. <laughs> I convinced them by saying like, well, first of all, I said, you know, what kind of friends you are if you don't join me. So I use peer pressure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the second thing I said is like, hey, you know, if it if we solve this problem, we're going to make it maybe sold the company or whatever. And then uh, if it doesn't work out, we all go find a job. What I realized and learned over the years is that uh, the problems never goes away. There's always new problems to solve. So you shouldn't see problems as problems, but rather you should see it as opportunities to improve. So the problems that happened in the beginning of the Spokio years, like, for example, uh, almost run out of funding. I mean, that doesn't happen now. But there's other problems that didn't happen then that happens now. I think problems never goes away. There's always new problems. There are always more problems to solve. And I think the, the key things I learned is just to keep a positive attitude and see problems as the opportunity to improve. That's awesome. And what is your why? What keeps you motivated to come in and bring your best self every day, even during the days where maybe, you know, all the things that could go wrong did go wrong? And maybe you're just a little tuckered out. How do you stay focused on what your mission is? Yeah, so our mission and why we exist is around this idea of transparency. And uh, transparency has multiple levels. Uh, there's about four levels of transparency. The first one is called informational data transparency is uh, what you know, right? Uh, sharing what you know uh, with your team members, with the public, uh, to enhance trust. The second is what I call contextual transparency. Um, is one big, right? I mean, it's, it's, uh, it is pretty small compared to 100, but it's 100 times bigger than 0.01. So you need to have a context before this information becomes uh, actually meaningful. Um, the third level is what intellectual, sorry, not intellectual, intelligence, uh, intelligence transparency. How these, this data and knowledge gets applied and gets used. And lastly is what, I, what we call epistemic transparency. And epistemology is one of the pillars in the philosophy, basically the, the how to solve a particular problem. In our case, it's the how to solve the problem of person existence. So our mission is about transparency. It's about epistemic transparency, the pursuit of knowledge and intelligence to uh, understand and solve the problem of who. So that's our mission. Uh, now, how does that relate to making sure that I keep working when I, when I feel down? The truth is, the answer to that is about discipline uh, more than why. When I feel down and feel discouraged, I, I don't think about the why or the mission. I just stay disciplined, have a very set schedule. What I realized over the years is that that discipline actually carry you through. The fact that you're always doing this at this certain hour and you stay disciplined about that schedule will carry you through whether you're facing headwinds or tailwinds. 
Great advice. Great advice. You know, as an entrepreneur myself, I think we all learn more from our failures than our successes. And are there any particular times that you'd be willing to share with our audience of, you know, the price of admission to innovation, which is, you know, a failure that you had that you learned from that may benefit others? Yeah, I think the easiest one is obviously running out of cash. I mean, every entrepreneur <laughs> runs into those issues. And I remember in 2008, um, our, our, our investors are my parents. And the reason is because we couldn't find any other investors. It's just that simple. <laughs> I think everybody, everybody starts with the friends and family round of begging, right? Yeah. Yep. yeah. So when we almost ran out of cash, I had to go with my dad. And say, hey, can you help us out uh, one more time? Uh, the first thing he said is, son, it's okay because when I give it to you, I will be written off. You know, that's how much he has, how much confidence he has for us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's okay. When I when I launched my company, my mom told me that I no longer needed help from them with childcare because I didn't have a real job. I was like, mom, I have investors. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm the CEO. It's a real job. <laughs> Yeah, so all parents are alike, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but it's the second thing that's the most important thing. Um, <clears throat> he told me that, hey, son, you know, success is actually not about whether you've been to Ivy Leagues or went to Stanford and things like that. It's actually about how much longer you can outlast the competition. Because uh, if everyone else drop off, by definition, you will cross the finish line. So I, I think that's the advice my dad gave me, and I just want to share with the audience because it sounds so simple, but at the end of the day, it's how much uh, persistence. I know there's a, a fine line between persistence and stubbornness, but at the same time, you know, in the case of facing tough challenges and failures like almost run out of cash and cannot keep the lights on, I think uh, you know that kind of persistence is quite important. Yeah, I do feel like, a lot of times I'm, I'm straddling that line between persistence and stubbornness and wondering which side I'm on. Uh, I think a lot of founders uh, <laughs> probably feel that way as well. So with that, can you share some accomplishments of ways people have used your technology that maybe you didn't originally envision that are things you're proud of? Like, how has Spokio helped people? Yeah, definitely. So roughly, uh, Spokio is a very interesting uh, market. It's what's called long tail market. So there's a lot, a lot of use cases. Like people are using it. Car dealership is using us for facilitating recalls, believe it or not. That's something that I never thought of. But roughly, there's two kinds of use cases. And uh, one is what's called connectors, people looking for contact information, right? Uh, the second one is what's called verifiers or protectors people who just want to make sure that they are who they say they are. They might know the user already, or they might know that person, but they just want to make sure they are saying the truth, right? And then there's the B2B and B2C, so it's a two-by-two two matrix. So there are a lot, a lot of use cases, but the one that really stuck out for me is what's called search angels. It's uh, people who are helping adoptees find their biological parents. And you know, even though that's not the biggest vertical and use case in regards to uh, revenue. But that said, it's the most memorable one because it has an emotional component to it. Sure, uh, cop business are using Spokio to catch frosters, but at the same time, you know, the stories around family reunions or people discovering who their biological parents are for the very, very first time, you know, that those stories are the one that really jumps at me. 
Very inspiring the way that people can take your innovation and build upon it to do things in the world that touch all of us. So for folks that want to keep tabs on you, Harrison, and want to keep in touch and learn more about your company, where are the best ways for them to find you and and stay connected? Yeah, you, people can find me on all social media because of the marketing team <laughs> has asked me to uh, be active on all social media. So you can find me at the CEO Dad on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or go to uh, TikTok, uh, Tang Talks, Tang underscore T O K S on TikTok. You know, I'm, you know, TikTok is one of the hottest thing right now, and uh, gotta gotta be on it uh, to stay young, I guess. Well, I must admit, I consume a lot of your content on LinkedIn since we got introduced, and it is highly entertaining. So I encourage everyone who wants to learn and enjoy at the same time to connect with Harrison and stay in touch. And thank you so much for sharing some your journey. It's so cool to see somebody not only be the founder of the company, but help scale it up and be successful where you are today, Harrison. So I think your dad's advice has paid off. Oh, thank you, Lisa. We're all trying our best, right? So thanks for having me. We're so happy that you were able to join us. Thank you so much. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Navigating Forward podcast. We'd love to hear from you. At a crossroads of uncertainty and opportunity, how do you navigate forward? We'll see you next time.